Hello, this is Kiara here from the Brilliant Baby Rowing Business team. This is an audio recording of the CPD led by Rachel Barlow, who is a baby rowing consultant and midwife. She looked at the COVID secure preparations and risk assessments that we can make as we discover a new normal way of running our sling libraries and carrying consultancies. During our CPD, Rachel covered PPE, the benefits and the pitfalls of using it and the types that we could use, the risk assessments that we need to make, looking at the different venues that we run from and how we can make each one as secure as possible, the main risk factors each time we see someone. And she also talks about how to clean and mitigate the risk of sharing slings, transporting slings, posting slings, and also the benefits of running online. I hope it's really helpful. Thanks for listening. I'm in. Um, obviously Kira asked me to come and chat but I definitely do not consider myself an expert here I'm just working through all the same kind of thought processes as everyone else I guess trying to work out how this is going to work um, I guess with the added advantage um, of being a midwife being pretty good at putting masks and gloves on and off I think is <laughs> probably my main added skill set um, but um, I've just um, spent a couple of days just leafing through all the guidance and trying to think of it think about it kind of clear, as clear-headedly as I can. I hope it'll be useful to just all chat through and brainstorm a little bit as well, um, if that sounds okay. Um, so, just and just before um, you start, I just wanted to check, um, I'm recording this, is that okay? Is everybody okay with being recorded? And then I'll just um, upload it into BBB later. Is that all right? If you don't want to be, feel free to hide. <laughs> Thanks, just that I'd say. <laughs> can I hide? <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> sorry, no, I'll be. <laughs> Dang, um, cool. So, um, so in terms of just like um, intro about all of this, I guess, I don't know if any of you have any colleagues who are teachers or any of you are teachers as well, but um, I've sort of been watching with interest how the schools have managed with going back and stuff. Um, and I guess the key thing I kind of am taking from the guidance and from um, and from watching how other industries have kind of had to react is that everyone's going to have to make slightly different arrangements um, as as lockdown eases because we've all got slightly different venues and setups um, and everything. So um, the same guidance was issued obviously to all schools um, and obviously they've all interpreted them in really different ways. Um, you know, from not going from not actually opening at all and saying, look, this isn't possible for us through to like opening normal hours through to, you know, half days or off the days or whatever so I think for us and a lot of other industries it's going to be quite a similar thing of like each having to just look at how the guidance applies to us and our specific setup and trying to work out what the best kind of thing to do is um, and in terms of like the type of ways that we run there's going to be quite a big difference I think between um, those of us who run predominantly retail or consultations or groups or whatever in terms of what we can do and when and how to do it most safely um so i guess um i guess i'm hoping we'll start to think through some of that um but the questions that um kiara that you sent over to me were quite kind of specific for things and i think it'd be useful to go through those but i also think perhaps it'd be useful just to think through the key pro key kind of um you know the point of what we're trying to achieve basically <laughs> you know the overview of um what is the goal for the next phase um, because obviously in terms of 
reducing the risk as much as is possible the, the greatest risk reduction um, for being kind of COVID secure, if you like, is just to carry on doing what we're doing, which is online and posted. Um, that's obviously going to be the safest thing. Um, so everything that we do in terms of easing is going to have an element, is obviously going to have an element of risk. Um, and that goes for every, you know, that goes for the whole, you know, the whole globe as we go through this. There isn't really a completely COVID secure way to go about life um, in this phase. Um, so I guess where I was um, kind of, as I was thinking through it last night, um, particularly I was just thinking like, I'm not rushing actually to open to back, open back up. So I run um, London Slings in South East London with Catherine Boylan, for anyone else who knows Catherine. Um, she's currently on maternity leave and all our venues are pubs. So I feel like um, we're not rushing back for lots of reasons to do anything, um, which is giving me a bit of time to think through um, think through stuff. Um, but I think in terms of my headspace, it, it, the, the question um, I'm sort of asking as I think about going back is, for everything I'm thinking about easing, does it have a, a benefit to the families we're looking after? Does it have a benefit for my business? And how can I mitigate the risk as much as possible to do it? So, um, so for example, um, uh, the 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 decisions to be made about doing something like say an expectant parents or you know something that involves mostly pregnant women is going to be different where they're in the vulnerable group to something with new parents for example it's probably glaringly obvious but um i wonder whether the approach kind of going forward is to think about your own business and think about it in perhaps a bit of a pick and mix kind of approach in terms of what goes back to being in person and what stays online um and um, I don't know whether it'd be useful to go through some thoughts about each type of each type of way that we work um, and think about um, and think about each type or think about I mean I guess some, some kind of feedback from you guys as as to which way it would be most useful to think about it is it would it be most useful to structure in terms of whether it's one-to-one -one, whether it's group whether it's kind of library sessions or whatever or would it be more useful to think about it in terms of types of location because the government advice is very much by type of kind of location and industry and what we do spans quite a lot of different ways so we can think of ourselves as retailers to an extent um, but retailers wouldn't spend that much time with people and do fittings and stuff we can think of ourselves a bit like um, beauticians and hairdressing in terms of the physical contact required for doing one-to-one -one consultations um, but we can also think of ourselves as kind of group leaders or whatever if we're doing the thing is so we can sort of structure this different ways i think but i don't know if anyone has any thoughts about what makes most sense for them in terms of how they're thinking about things um i'd say because the guidance goes to what type we are so whether we're retail whether we're group whether we're like you know personal kind of yeah. because i'm i'm not a library i'm a consultant i'm mainly retail yeah. and opening the shop and stuff so I've been looking at lots of the guidance, including like the school guidance and stuff like that, and just trying mm -hmm. to kind of cherry pick what's there. So going through yeah. the government kind of categories and then how we can adapt that depending on our own personal yeah. circumstances in that. Because yeah. as you said, I think lots of us probably tick lots of the boxes. 
and different services. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah. Anyone else any thoughts about what they've been looking at or how they're um, thinking about? I'm exclusively a library, so okay. I don't really consult at all. Okay. Um, and we've currently penciled in opening next week. Um, just because my venue, although it's a cafe, I'm completely separate from the cafe. Mm. Um, and I already ran, previously I ran appointment only because I ran it on my own. And as you all know, trying to do admin and do everything. Impossible. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know where really the guidance doesn't really fit I think in some ways with what mm. we do because I know also my osteopath she's opened up again and taking people um, yeah but there's also the category of the government saying if you can't work from home which I can't really with three children of the foot of one you can see here mm. uh, I can't really work from home and the government say if you can't work from home go to work yeah so it's kind of like how does that guidance fit in yeah yeah i hear that and um zoe was just commenting about wearing ppe um which osteos will be um anyone who's coming into that much contact will be wearing ppe um so so um to sort of um think through some of this stuff i think let's start with let's start with thinking about um Let's start with thinking about the government advice then. Let's start from that about what the government are saying to do and let's look at how it applies to each of our businesses and maybe can, people can jump in as we go with, with the ways it doesn't fit in and I'll sort of go through that way. It sounds like that's where people's headspaces are, right? Um, so, so the things to think about in terms of COVID, in, you know, in my opinion, are if you want to operate in a COVID secure way, the way you need to think about each interaction is as if, the person you're interacting with or someone in that group has has COVID is COVID positive. The way it's transmitted, obviously, you know, we're all pretty clear about now, you're coughing, sneezing, having it on your hands or whatever. Um, the main things that you want to think about in terms of each interaction is going to be how close are you to the person? How long are you close to the person? And how many other people are close to that person? So you've got the Physical distance is going to be helpful in terms of reducing the risk of transmission. You've got um, spending as little time as possible in that physical proximity. And then you've got how many people and what's the spread likely to be, like how big an event is it going to be if COVID is transmitted in that circumstance. So the basic principles are always going to be try and keep to the shortest amount of time possible for the, for the activity that needs to happen in the biggest distance possible with the most ventilation possible and have the fewest people possible. The question mark is that if total risk reduction looks like sitting here behind our screens and running a busy 60 person library session like we would normally do looks like a complete car crash um, in terms of all of those things, how do we find the balancing act of what works for our business in the middle of those two ends of the spectrum. And so what we need to do, I think, is start from this end, sitting behind a screen, and think how much relaxing do I need to do to make my business work? So let's think about shops starting back as a, as a, as a starting point. So the government's saying retail can start back Monday, I think is correct, yes? So if you're a retailer, your interaction is gonna be quick. It's 
or the government are anticipating your interaction is going to be quick. That someone's going to come in and they're going to stand at the till for five minutes, pay and leave. They're going to pay contactlessly probably, they take their stuff and they're going to go. So the interaction is short and you're not physically touching or anything like that. You can wear PPE during that interaction because your communication is quite basic in terms of you know exchanging cash or whatever. So the risk there is actually relatively minimal. The next stage of phasing they're looking at is the kind of hairdressers and everything like that where you're spending longer. So you might, how long are you having your hair done for? 40 minutes or whatever. You could still wear PPE during that and they will be wearing PPE. And it really can't be done. You can't cut someone's hair remotely. And we fall, I think, between those two spectrums because if we demo a sling and someone then takes it away, it takes one away and buys it, we've stood two meters apart that interaction has been relatively brief probably longer than retail but not as long as a haircut depending um it, we're somewhere between those two so so the question mark in my head about how you can reduce that that kind of the risk in that is for us is ppe and let's come on to that in a minute because ppe has plus sides but it also has downsides in terms of making communication quite difficult so question mark in my head about that um so the first question the first question on the list i think um let me just flip to the list and make sure i'm actually ticking these off um is i see um is how can we minimize risk if we might how can we minimize risk if we're running from multiple venues yes exactly madeline yes um so um, if we're running from multiple venues, the first question is, is your venue open? So if you run from a shop, like Kizzy, you were saying, you've got the studio back and if you've got your own space or whatever, that you can open from Monday, great. Those of you are running from community centres or um, other public spaces are going to have to be led by whether those spaces are open. Um, pubs, etc. when they do open. I think, does anyone else run from somewhere like that that isn't going to be open for, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to be led by them. And actually, in some ways, things are going to be clearer the further through the process your venue opens anyway. Um, church hall. So most of these places in terms of locations will have their own policies and be going through this themselves as to whether they open. And my first kind of pointer would be check whether they want you to come back. Um, for example, pubs are going to have to be running on, say, if it's two metres distancing. The amount of people they're going to be able to to kind of have into that space is quite small i'm not yet clear whether they're going to be keen to have families coming in trying on slings and carriers rather than coming in to eat and drink if they can only have a quarter of the number of people or less than they normally can um so we're going to have to be guided a little bit by that um is the first thing and secondly it really puts the onus on the venue i think um to tell you what they are doing to make their venue safe and for you to slot in with that and think about from the point where the where the families then make contact with you within the venue what are you doing so i would actually be looking at the venues and thinking are you happy to go into them are you happy with their processes and have a proper conversation to make sure that you're happy for your for yourself and your families to be going into there with what they're doing would be high on my list um, so that's where I would start with it and then once you're inside that venue what can you do 
So um, you can um, minimize the chance of you coming into COVID. So most of the sorts of venues, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of venues are probably not going to be open um, till July, maybe later. I don't know if, I mean, I don't know what everyone else has got in terms of childcare, but obviously this affects, like it affects for us massively um, in that um, I have got a bit of childcare at the moment, but then it'll be the summer holidays and all bets are off again. So um, by the time my venues are open, probably won't be able to go and use them. No idea. So we're, we're definitely thinking using Saturdays and also otherwise kind of waiting until september we would normally have a break over the summer anyway yeah. for meat so i don't think i don't think yeah. that'd be unexpected but i imagine everyone will be in a similar boat yeah yeah exactly i think a lot of us and that probably means that again we might move at a different pace to other industries because we're so heavily kind of um parents of younger children um who don't have any childcare. so i think that will affect us as well I mean obviously yes there are other people in that circumstance but um, um, so then once you are going in and using a venue what can you do to make it run as safely as possible um, the first thing I'd be looking at and this is one of the other questions is how many people is it to have is it safe to have in your venue is to look at the size of the venue um, and to think about what is the maximum amount of people that includes in my head that includes the venue staff if they're in the same room as you so cafe, cafe staff, things like that. There's, um, there's a useful calculator online and I'll try and, I don't know if I can send you the link, but if you Google, what did I Google? How many people can fit in a room at, with two meters distancing, something really highbrow like that. Um, and there's a useful little calculator where you can put in the square meterage of the room and it will tell you how many people can fit in it safely with a two meter distance and that saves you doing any kind of complex maths. Um, the other way you can do it is to tell it what the normal capacity of standing um, space in that room is. Um, so whatever you know about your room, you can kind of pop that in. Obviously, in terms of um, the dimensions of the room, if you've got a long, narrow room, people are going to have to squish past each other. If you've got a square room, that's going to be easier. If you've got a room um, in which you're trying to also fit prams, crawling babies or whatever, your numbers are gonna to need to be much lower. And it also depends how much you're gonna need the people to move around in that room. Um, so if you're, I don't know, doing a back carrying workshop um, in there, the level of movement is gonna be a bit different to if you've got people coming in, picking up a sling that they've already pre, kind of pre-told you they're coming for and walking straight out and then in, yeah, one-way system people are talking about yeah exactly so if you can do a one-way system and people are coming in briefly you're demoing handing them something and then they're heading back out that's really really different to i've got a group of people coming in i'm going to sit them there for an hour and a half um and we're going to be in each other's contact the whole time and there's going to be crawling babies moving around obviously so um so i'd be thinking about the size and shape of the room in terms of um your maximum numbers making sure you don't exceed that and then, and then thinking about as you do that, how do you control the flow? So how do you, um, do you have a one-way system? Do you have chairs sat down so people know exactly where to be um, already laid out? Or do you kind of put markers on the floor um, instead if you want it to be a bit more kind of, um, a bit more relaxed? Um, so think about what does your venue have? 
Um, yeah, we aren't allowed to have groups of people in an indoor space yet. That's absolutely true. But in terms of shops and retail, they will still possibly allow more than one people in at once, like supermarkets or whatever. People are going to be walking past each other. So not for a workshop. I'm thinking later down the line for that, because these things are going to come in waves and phases. But for now, you want to think about in your one way system or in your kind of who can come in at what time that you make sure you don't exceed that maximum amount of people in the space anyway. Sorry if that wasn't clear. <clears throat> so there's, um, so yeah, where did I get to? Is that clear now? Oh, you found it. Well done, Nicole. That's exactly the one. Social distancing room space calculator. And they, you can, I think it has like, if it's one meter apart um, and if it's two meters apart, so if the guidance does change, then that will affect your numbers. <clears throat> yeah, so school bubbles have got 15 per class. <clears throat> um, some schools are doing less than that if their rooms are smaller, for example. Um, so the bubble size maximum is 15. So even if you had a massive room, that's, you know, that's what um, they've set down as the maximum group size. Um, so... Hopefully that's relatively kind of clear on that. And then and then think of um and your um you know and picking up a sling demo and think about them coming in hand washing as they come in. So just having we can buy hand gel again now, I think. I found it in actual shops. So this is good news um because that's way easier. So if you can have hand gel as they come in, um that will help. If you can make sure that you've wiped handles, so those high frequency touch points, so um door handles, laptops, um, tables, anything they're gonna come into contact with on that loop round needs to be cleaned regularly. Um, uh, and then thinking about how you position them. So thinking about your payment system or whatever, can you do card payment? Can you do contactless? Um, can you um, do it, any kind of prepay or anything where it's electronic so you're not handing over handing over cash will help you in terms of reducing the amount of contact points. So in essence, you're looking at reduce the volume, reduce the time they spend with you and reduce the number of touch points where you might transmit things. So one of the questions on the list was, can, we, can I demo a sling and then hand it over to the other person to try on? Um, I guess, I mean, the answer is that will be more risky. That will be more risky than not sharing an item. Anything that's being shared carries a potential risk of transmission. Um, my other answer to that would be, is it feasible and practical for your business to not do that? Because it depends how many of the same slings you have. Um, it might be that you can't operate your business in person without sharing those slings with people. So this is a balancing act, right? If, there's, if, if your business can't run online and your business can't run without sharing items, um, my steer would be to think carefully about your risk assessment and to, be like, to think carefully, is it, is it worth it for me? Am I going to, um, and in fact, in all of this, I think it's massively a cost benefit analysis. So you know can you run your business in a way that is sustainable whilst also using these measures and if not can you do it differently can you do it online can you do it in a way in terms of clients um so i guess i don't think any of this and the government advice isn't completely clear-cut as we've all talked about yeah 
<clears throat> so Zoe's saying, if, do people want to attend your service if it's that way? <clears throat> so what I was going to say on that is that I think whatever you decide to do as you go through this guidance is you've got to be really upfront and clear with your clients um, about what to expect when they come to you. So if you know that you are going to have to demo a carrier and then and then offer for them to have that carrier, I think they need to be you know, aware of that and comfortable with that before they decide to come. Um, so I'd be putting all of this in your kind of policies, procedures, and make sure that goes out to people beforehand. Um, and to make sure that they understand what they're, what they're taking on, because they're going to have different perceptions of risk depending on whether they're in a vulnerable category or not. Um, and, and they need to make that decision, I think, as long as you're clear with them. Um, so in terms of the practicalities, Emma was just saying about you could bag it and quarantine it. In terms of the practicalities of kind of safe sling laundering and all of that, um, as far as I'm aware, and this mostly actually is from you, Madeline, and a couple of other people, so you correct me if I'm wrong, we think 72 hours is a, is a generous kind of safe margin for how long COVID can, um, can kind of stay on a fabric. Um, it really does need a host to live long term, so we think 72 hours is a nice safe bet. We also think washing with detergent is sufficient. Um, getting rid of COVID so if you're doing a combination of those two factors which is bag the sling after you've used it they take it home they leave it for 72 hours they wash it and then use it then yes that absolutely could work um, but what about what does that do to the amount of time that they're hiring the sling for are you going to charge them for that time um, it's got to be like I said it's got to be a cost-benefit analysis and someone just said I couldn't run my business you really I think yes, you really only need to do one. You only need mm. to do 72 hours or wash it. Yeah. You don't need to do both. Because, yeah. you know, by the time you've washed it and you've dried it, you know, yeah. that could be five days. Um, no, you really only need to do one. And I think it is, I think it's worth saying it is conservative. Coming back to what you were saying about yeah. purchasing, yes, it can apparently live in the sling, in the fabric for 72 hours, but how it gets back out yeah. is the interesting thing. So when they've tested it, what they're doing is they're taking a swab, a wet swab. So if you go and lick yeah. that thing, <laughs> you'll get the virus back out. But if you just brush it with your dry skin, you won't. Because yeah. you're not solubilizing it. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. put that into context. Sorry, yeah. I'll shut up now. No, that's really helpful. You're completely right. When I'm thinking about um, the processes we're doing here, I'm thinking about I don't want to touch their sling when it's come straight back to put it into the wash. I launder on the way back. I don't ask them to launder before it comes back. So I'm um, saying I launder. Yeah. I launder when it comes in. Yeah. So also, in terms of our returns process, they get 72 hours ish quarantine and then laundered. But obviously, on the way out to them, they wouldn't have to do that necessarily. Both are completely right. I feel like for us on the way in, that's uh, you, I, I love what you're saying about you'd actually have to lick the sling. But I'm yeah. thinking. About children they will lick and bite yeah, lick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. and babies will I wouldn't want to yeah babies will but you can also think about where babies are going to so if you're going to handle the sling don't handle it by a bit baby will suck on like mm. if you handle it by the bit the baby will sit on baby's never going to yeah. suck there because they can't reach down there you know yeah. <laughs> so you can think about it quite carefully in that in those respects yeah my my really big question mark about all of this, if I'm completely honest, is about is about how we run this in a way that is sustainable for our business. Because, like I said, at one end of the spectrum, you could do you could do things that are, are very very safe from a COVID point of view, um, but they would mean that you only hire out 
three slings and see two people and that's all your childcare time gone that you've kind of begged, borrowed and stolen for, for, you know, and I just, I think we're each going to have to find that, that bite point where we feel like what we're, what we can charge and what we can live on and what we have in terms of childcare meets, meets how safe we can make it. I don't know if anyone else sees it completely differently, but that's, that's where I'm at in my head is like, you know, and then when I find that bite point for each of my services, I'm going to be really clear with, the clients coming and say this is what I can do this is what I am doing are you comfortable with that um and you know and and do you want to and do you want to come and it's going to be really I do think it's tough I don't want to kind of say it's not I do think it's tough oh Joe I think yeah, it's a, I think a lot a, of us are feeling like that it's a definite it's really balancing act of what's good for helping in the community as well and you know I'm getting a lot of people asking for my help mm -hmm. and asking for stuff mm -hmm. and I really yeah. can't help them without speaking to them properly and all my library is so I have eight boxes and I managed to grab two because that's all the space I had to get them home uh, the Thursday before lockdown because we were fairly sure it was coming and some some of my slings I don't have yeah. it was interesting what you said I mean a lot of my slings I had two of so mm. I do have the option to demo one and hire one but then there's the option of my more popular things if one's out mm. I've only got the one in yeah. and if it's the right sling for them because I've done two sort of like helping online mm. sort of things and um zoom things and it's been hard because i usually when i see a person i get an idea of what carrier would suit their body shape but mm. you you can't see that on a screen yeah. it's it's uh, i find that quite difficult yeah and I think it's difficult for them as well because they can't feel what they don't, you know, they can't feel what it feels like on their body by seeing you demo. So it definitely takes away so much of what we, of what we do. Um, yeah, I really, I really hear you on that. Um, I think, I think I it's great that you've managed to help a couple of people with it. You know, I think what we do is really valuable. Um, and so, it, and so it's, I don't think the answer is to be as risk averse as possible. I think people need this help parents need this help and 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 that's why I think it's like what what works for you what can you offer Annabelle like what slings do you have what can you do to make it so if you can't go out and buy duplicates of all your slings that's not going to work right now so if the answer for you is like where possible I will we will use separate carriers if I only have one of a carrier you may choose you may choose to use it after me if you're comfortable with that or you may choose to um, watch me demo and then take it home and wash it before you use it and I'll have some bags so you can do that just think through I would just think through your options what can you do to make each interaction as safe as possible and be as clear as possible because not sharing them will be safest but there's also like we said other ways that we could you know clean it before they use it or um, you know your hand hygiene before you touch it will make a difference them not licking the carrier like Madeline said will make a difference um you know let's make each interaction as safe as possible tell people how how are people feeling has that generate 
has discussion so far, has it generated more questions or are we answering any questions? You're definitely answering mine. <laughs> We're getting somewhere. <laughs> Uh, I think I think the more you think about it, the the clearer it's becoming that it's not about going back to normal. It's about working out a new way to do things. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, Sarah. I think that's the truth of it. I do. Yeah. Can we talk a bit about consultations because I know we've done retail and yes, and library. I mean, because I think consultate because I don't I don't have a shop. Yeah. Um, I only retail off consults or library, um, yeah. so it's kind of because consultations are the ones I see coming back sooner than library, which yes. for me is at children's centres, and I don't see the children's centres reopening before September, yeah. so that's far for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then also, if we could talk about potential, if if other people are thinking about things like sitting library and gardens, if the weather picks up or anything, that would also be helpful. Yeah. Cool. So one-to-one -one consultations can mean different things, I guess. The lowest risk one-to-one -one consultation is going to be outdoors um, and socially distanced. Um, so that's going to be a two-metre distance um, and not sharing anything in terms of slings. My question mark is how useful a consultation that is, um, and that will differ for different consultants, I think. Um, some consultants have been doing kind of a lot of online stuff, and I'm not sure that from the consultants, like for, I'm not sure from some people's um, perceptions whether that socially distanced consult without touching or, or being close to each other will be more helpful or not. I think the main thing it would be more helpful for is if you do have duplicates of the slings, then obviously it becomes more helpful because they can then try it on the sling rather than just watching you demo it. So if they're coming to try your slings um, and you can do that, then great. I found it really, um, I found it actually quite good, um, a good challenge in some ways. It really makes you think about how you articulate what you want them to do instead of just going this one here <laughs> which is actually probably really good practice um so if you haven't been running anything online um it you know i think it's definitely possible to do consultations in that way um and then after that it i think the 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 steer after that is once you're starting to not stand at a distance or you're starting to have any physical kind of contact then you start to take to go into the realm of kind of the beauty therapists and the hairdressers and everything else and the guidance that's being given to them. Um, and that would be to look at things like um, PPE um, and using it well. So making sure it's actually kind of um, effective at what it's trying to do. Kizzy, you need to think about customer's child. Is there a safe place to put them? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're doing a kind of distanced um, consultation in person then I think probably they should bring a blanket or something to pop their baby on I think what's really hard in person is to not offer physical kind of um, help with the baby I often find that actually that's where more of my physical contact is in consultations is not really with the mum but it's like oh here let me you know give you a hand with the baby for a second while you do x y and z and it feels for me it feels really unnatural not to be able to do that um, so that's where I'm having to kind of um, 
that's what I'm finding hard on consults online particularly um, and um, I think I think really it's it's that they need to bring somewhere now you might find if that if they're doing outside that that some parents will bring a buggy or a pushchair or something and just pop the baby there while they're kind of getting the sling on um, so you just want to cover that off I think so they're not kind of expecting you to provide a, a place and obviously then that kind of um, rules out I think having toys or anything unless you're going to um, clean them in between each each person um, Ellen people have used their car seats yeah exactly I think most parents like are used to needing somewhere to pop their baby down if they are going out and about with them so I don't think anyone would be too freaked out by that I think it just goes against your instincts in terms of wanting to be helpful which is hard um, do so then I'm just looking at questions coming in. Yeah, might need to explicitly state this. I would, I'd put that in. I don't know what people use in terms of booking systems and stuff, but we do all ours through Acuity um, and they get an automatic email with all this stuff. So as we change what we're doing, we just change the auto emails that go out. But obviously if you send things out manually, I would be kind of having it written somewhere in advance and copy and pasting it into the emails so that you say exactly the same thing to the same you know to people each time hi joe's kids <laughs> um yeah so because he's saying pre-questionnaire to reduce the amount of time you need to be together absolutely um yeah that's really really helpful that's going to reduce the time together and it's going to make you more efficient especially in terms of selecting the slings that they're going to use now obviously in terms of like running multiple consultations once a client tries on a sling you will probably want to launder or quarantine whatever you're doing that sling if you're not able to do that i think that's also something probably to mention um and make sure that they're clear about and make sure they've agreed to um or how you know thinking about um how much contact those slings are going to have um through the course of the day so he's just put Oh, Sarah's just book great if they read the auto email. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but at least you've done your bit. <laughs> you've tried. Um, um, so um, thinking about accessibility, Zoe, that's exactly what I was going to come on to, in fact, which is question mark in my head as to whether I might continue to offer online consultations as well as in-person consultations with clarity about what exactly is involved in those because I think the accessibility is actually quite varied so there's going to be some um, families who um, find online consults particularly useless or impossible to access who are actually not able to receive any support at the moment um, and for them I think it's going to be actually really important to get back to one-to-one -one consultations um, for them but equally I think there are people who particularly if they're shielding or they um, are on the vulnerable list particularly I'm thinking about women at the end of pregnancy who will really want support but not potentially feel safe to access it one-to-one -one, who might want the online support still so it might be worth thinking about the variety of ways that you offer your services at the moment um, if you can um, I think that different people will access them differently actually um, and sorry, did you have anything else to add on accessibility? Or do you add anything to that? I don't know if you can talk or only type, but um, that would be useful. If you're thinking about at home, when you don't, if you don't normally run consults at home, 
do have side access to the garden that's helpful obviously if you do if not what's their route through to where the consult's going to be and the same things as as we talked about for retail is cleaning all of the high touch points so door knockers door handles um, that they touch on the way through what's your position if they need to use the toilet while they're there with you Are you happy with that have you cleaned that that's very important especially if you've had kids home during lockdown um uh, i certainly know i wouldn't want anyone to go near most of the places in my house right now um so i think just think through if you were then walking through your door or walking through the gate or whatever what do they need to touch um how have you made it as safe as possible for them asking them to bring their own drink um or you know all the all the things that they need for their baby and stuff by kizzy um zoe have tubs to put them in so they don't have to touch the sling it is kizzy have to fact that in yeah have tubs to put them in so they don't have to touch the sling yeah that seems a good idea um separate bags yours and theirs for example knowing exactly where they're going to put them down when they're finished with them so having like a dirty sling um bag or tub that they put them straight into and that and that goes into um into the laundry um ideally when you're laundering the slings i guess you'd be laundering the thing that has been storing them as well might be a thing that or wiping it down so plastic i love a trug I do love a plastic trug for things like this because you just shove stuff in them carry them by the handles and then wipe them down afterwards um if you're traveling to other people's homes that's a really good point, Ellen. Um, in some ways, it's kind of easier because it's all about what you feel comfortable with in some ways, rather than, you know, you know you're not gonna be asking them, I assume, to clean their, clean their house before you arrive. So I'd be thinking about your safety and what you're comfortable with. Um, and then just being really clear with them about, about your hand hygiene and the slings and what they're touching and what they're using. Um, you might want to think about, I'd like to talk about PPE really because I think that's another one that I might be minded to speak to people about what their preference would be. Because when you put a mask on, you lose a huge amount of your ability to communicate with people. I find it quite tricky. And the, the evidence on them seems to be quite limited. I don't know if that's just because they are of limited use or if it's because people don't use them very well. So I guess it's really, really common to put a mask on, think you're nice and safe behind it, then take it off and then with your hands touch your face or anything else like that so um you know the only same with gloves if you put gloves on um when you have your gloves covered in stuff it's really easy to take them off in a way where you just transfer whatever was on the outside of them straight onto your hands and then touch everything anyway so you do need to think about if you're using ppe that you're actually imagining this is the most helpful way i found it is imagine you're trying to put it on without touching the outsides because you might have stuff on your hands you don't want to get onto there. So you're trying to get your hand into the PPE um, and onto your face without touching it too much um, on the outside. And then when you're taking it off, you want to imagine the outside is now covered in like, I don't know, ink or something you could see and remember to be taking it off in a way where you're not touching it all. So you put your hands kind of under the glove and peel it off from the, from the inside. So they roll inside out on each other and then wash your hands afterwards just in case. So, um, can I just say with the, the masks, um, um, just about the mask as protecting you, it's yeah, your, you're not on the other person. So for me, I'm not seeing the mask as something 
that is protecting me from them or yeah. if they were wearing one them from me it's yeah it is really really beneficial for that splatter that comes out when we speak yeah sorry yeah that's why no sarah's saying the same thing that it covers it protects the other person not you i think that's obviously yeah really important to to be clear on um but people might still have preferences about what they'd rather you do because if they can't hear you well they can't see your mouth moving all of those things they might they might feel that they're actually happier for you not to particularly if you are keeping keeping distance etc so you know it doesn't matter quite so much if you can't hear your hairdresser but um you know just makes the chat even more kind of rubbish <laughs> than normal but for us it might be quite confusing for people thinking about especially like in terms of people who i mean obviously people lip read or whatever um you know have any kind of um um hearing um issues or whatever then obviously it's going to be a complete nightmare so i'd I'd just be thinking about asking people about their opinion about you wearing a mask, I guess, is where I'm at. I don't know if anyone else feels very differently um, about that. You know, no, that we're, we're really keen to think about how we can protect ourselves because, um, um, so Becky, who runs our Sling Library, is, uh, is shielding at the moment. So I think for from our point of view, yeah, we want to keep our clients as safe as possible, but we also want to keep ourselves as safe as possible. Yeah, exactly. So the main the main thing um, for you guys is for us, I think, is thinking about your bottom line as to what you're comfortable with, and only asking clients if they're happy with things that you are happy to do. But there's no point asking someone, "Are you happy to wear a mask?" If your bottom line is you need them to wear a mask, for example. Um, I just think we have to get you have to get you have to get clear about exactly what you need from them um, to make it safe for you. In terms of actually like, so obviously I think we're all quite, we've all hopefully got quite good at this over the past few months about kind of, um, you know, what category do we fall into? How careful do we need to be, etc. cetera. Um, but things, I don't think there's a huge amount that is different to that except for laundering of slings and stuff like that. So mostly it's about the physical contact. So if you're laundering slings, um, yeah, you might want to use kind of um, gloves to handle the slings, but make sure, obviously, if you're doing that, you put the gloves on, you handle the slings, you put them into the water, whatever, you take the gloves off carefully, and then you wash your hands, having disposed of the gloves, not kind of wandering around, laundering the slings, wearing the gloves, and then just kind of carrying on and making a cup of tea or something. I don't know, it sounds really silly, but um, but I think people forget. You think the gloves are protecting you, they're not if you touch yourself your hand your eyes your face or whatever with the gloves then you may as well not not have bothered with them um, the last thing with gloves is reuse is a lot of people they're quite expensive to buy yeah and a lot of people will reuse them i know um a local mm. club has reopened and have said you can only touch the boats and so forth if you have gloves and people are using the same pair of gloves going in and out you know and they're, so they're taking them on they're taking them off and as soon as yeah. you do that they're useless and it's the same as face masks. If you're taking it on and you're taking it off, um, mm -hmm. I think the most useful thing I've seen on face masks is think about them like pants. Mm -hmm. You don't want any bits of your pants hanging <laughs> out. You, don't, you know, you want your genitals hanging out of your pants. If it's wet, <laughs> change them. So yeah. the masks rely on absorbing the droplets <clears throat> to stop the spatter. If your mask is starting to get damp, 
change yeah. it. And I think that's the other thing, you know, when you're traveling to somewhere mm. and back and you're doing, you know, doing it, you will probably need more than one mask. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sorry. Way too yeah, absolutely. I like that. Your mask is your genitals. It's always good to talk about genitals, I think. That's really helpful. <laughs> you see with the mask and they, it's under their nose because they inhibit your breathing. Yeah. That's why I'm using your willy out. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And I don't know if you've seen, there's some useful kind of things on, on social media and stuff about good hand washing and about kind of showing visually if you cover a mask, if you cover gloves or mask with ink, where it goes to if you're kind of, if you're not using them properly. Um, and that can be quite useful to sort of cover your hands with something like, an, like a, you know, um, food dye or whatever it is, and then wash them normally and see where it is left. Um, I'm hoping we're all pretty good at hand hygiene by now, but you know, a really good hand wash is important. So do it properly, get, you know, doing all the getting in between your fingers and around your thumbs and around your wrist stuff does make a really big difference. You also want to think about in terms of hand hygiene, short nails is helpful, not wearing um, jewelry is helpful. Um, all of that kind of all adds up a little bit as well. Um, I would say, um, have your own hand gel. The thought is, how do you get to your library and back as well? Hopefully not on the tube. <laughs> um, yeah, how does everyone travel about? How are people feeling about that? Cargo bike. Yeah. Yeah. Bike, car. Yeah, just the less the less contact you have on the way there and about the better. So again, work out, work out the financing of that, work out the time of that. Is it worth it for you? If you have to cycle there with a cargo bike, does your area change? You know, are you covering a smaller patch now? Do you need to charge more for your consultations? Et cetera. Like, I would really think it through rather than just charging back to doing it because you can. You may find that you're burning a whole heap of energy and time to not, you know, to not um, achieve much so I just think I just think be mindful with it with it all it all adds up in terms of time um, and all kind of um, stacks up in terms of costs and stuff to you as well but it depends very much on what type of type of service you run and you know have you got funding you know all of those kind of things or are you sort of trying to run trying to run it as a business etc you know um what's those saying what's the best way you can be of service right now to those who need support yeah and to yourself i really think it's important i think we i do think it's important to think through what are you offering and why and who's it for and how can you best help them but also please i really think back to yourself then that you're saying nicole like it's important to keep us safe it is if you're not comfortable with this with with what you're doing it doesn't matter what the next library is doing, I don't think. I think you've got to make the right decision for you, for your family, um, and then think about making it practical and feasible and then you know, making it within that as safe as possible as well. Yeah. Um, and it might be different if you're someone that doesn't want to do online stuff, for example, versus you do want to, that, that's gonna be different as well. I just wanna check the list of questions to see if there's anything else. That people were asking about but there was a question about is outside safer i think i think we're relatively clear outside is going to be 
is going to be safer because of good ventilation and stuff. If you can't be outside, then obviously opening windows and doors, I think, is helpful. Um, every little bit you do is helpful. But if you're all standing there absolutely freezing and a bit damp, it's not much fun. So I think it's just like within reason. Um, who was saying about getting a gazebo in their garden? Face, ma face shields versus masks. Yeah, I think the shields are good, right? In terms of your fa whole face is visible. I just don't know about um, getting hold of them. Does anyone know about getting hold of face shields? Cara, do you know? Cause, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, there was a bunch them. on Amazon the other day. Is there? Um, yeah, I don't know how good they are. With, with mm. them, can you wear them for longer than a mask? Is it just a case of cleaning them down properly if you were to get those? They don't get damp in the same way, do they? Yeah. Like, because they're plastic. I'm assuming so, you'd have exactly the same transmission problem in terms of handling them. Yeah. In yeah. The, like your breath and stuff is on the inside. So if you touch that and then touch anything, you may as well not have bothered. But I see, Madeline, any thoughts on that? That if you use them well, the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do, I'm just having a flick through my notes and questions to see if there's anything else you want to cover. Does anyone else have anything else they really want to? cover and talk about um from what i've read with um the bacteria, um <clears throat> killing bacteria and steam cleaning is it needs to be held over an area for about 30 to 60 seconds and mm. um, so when people say oh i steam clean my floors i'm like but you just swish it you don't actually hold it over each area um so as long as people have been cleaning for a 30 to 60 seconds period then it's going to be effective at cleaning it um but is the sling gonna survive that because it's a high temperature to uh, 100 degrees c and a lot of the slings are only tested up to sort of 60 degrees c and so there's, there's a couple around that um, for people to look at what they're actually cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking through the government advice that does seem to say if you can't wash something, then you may consider using a steam cleaner. I'd echo your thoughts. Like, there's no point using one if it's not going to be effective. I don't know exactly what the time, you know, that sounds like a sensible amount of time. I don't know whether there is any evidence about exactly how much time to steam clean something for, for it to be practical. But I'm pretty confident that wafting, wafting something over like, from a distance probably won't do very much. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have a straight answer on that other than I think it could be another method. I think all of these things are incremental as well. Like, you know, it's about risk reduction with all this stuff. Um, you know, the rates are dropping at the moment, touch wood, despite, us not being in perfect lockdown or perfectly socially distancing. I think it's really important to kind of just think about risk re risk reduction and not to get, um, I don't know, it's, I do think it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you've got to, like the, be the most effective way to completely reduce risk is to be as paranoid as possible. On the other hand, paranoia is not good for us. Um, so, you know, particularly for anyone with a tendency to anxiety or OCD, this is a nightmare, right? So I think it's like, get it clear in your head in the kind of cold light of day, what you're going to do, write it down, have a procedure, have a policy, 
So you can do a risk assessment. There's um, uh, there's um, uh, on the on the government advice websites. There's like a template for doing a risk assessment. I would do a risk assessment for your consult. Do a risk assessment for any group sessions as and when. Uh, write it all down. Be clear on what you're comfortable with. Then put that to your client. Check that they're comfortable with it. That they know. Even if they don't read it, you've given it to them. You've given that them that information. That's what they're coming kind of um with an agreement to um and then i'd just be really clear and not stay awake worrying too much at night after you've made a decision as to what you're going to do because can i i mean i got into my own head when it was all all the videos about when you come in from shopping and having to disinfect everything and should you be you know stripping yourself down and showering off and all that kind of stuff i guess in terms of slings and trying things on if you've done the very best that you can in terms of mitigating risk with like the virus on slings and whatnot if you then try on a sling and then that person washes their hands before they eat or touch their face that is that kind of like the that's mitigating risk in terms of they're then not going to lick their clothes like is that so i mean we haven't talked about things like suck pads and stuff like that but but i'm assuming there would even be a like be a, a an amount of risk reduction with that in terms of like if if a if they tried it on with a with clean suck pads after you'd use it. So if their baby did put their mouth to the sling, that it wasn't the same material. You know, like that might be something that also helps you feel that you are, you know, slightly reducing the risk. Yeah, if they handle the sling and then wash their hands, they're much likely less likely to get that to get that transmission. Same with like when we go out into the shops and touch food and packets on the on the shelves and stuff like that. It's not zero risk is a very low risk um and if you then come home from the shops and wash your hands before you touch your face or your mouth the risk is is very very low you know um so it's just about how many steps is it practical to put in to make the risk as low as possible in each circumstance and if that risk reduction takes two hours for a 10 minute consult is that is that feasible if if it's not feasible which i'm assuming it's not um is it worth doing or is it that you can't take that as many mitigating um behaviors and in that case what is there is there a risk presented is everyone in the situation happy with that risk does that kind of make sense to the thought process yeah um plastic holds the virus for longer madeline yes no we think so i'm not sure a few things I'd read said possibly. It's easy to pick up on. So any yeah. surface that's hard and hot, particularly hard and shiny, bones mm. are the worst, one of the worst, you know, then the droplet can stay mm. on it. So it's easier to swipe it off. Whereas on fabric, yeah. the droplet's going to gonna soak in. Gonna sink in. So yeah. you don't scoop off the droplet. So you, you know, so you're not getting, you're not really getting the virus yeah. back up. So when they do tests, they're, they're, they're using a swab to lift it off. So yeah, it's going to be harder to get, tra- generally fabrics are a worse transmission surface than yeah. things that are hard and sh- particularly things that are shiny. That's why the tube has a really bad reputation because it's full of metal shiny handles that people touch. Mm. Um, if you think about it in that respect, if it's metal and shiny, you probably don't want to touch it. So rings, you know. Yeah, exactly, which is why, yeah. But the fabric, the fabric, it's a lower chance of getting it off. Yes, the virus is there. Yes, it can be active, but there's a lower, 
it's a lower chance of getting it back off than something like a plastic buckle, but it is much easier to wipe with a detergent yeah. wipe or an alcohol wipe, a plastic buckle or a metal ring. Whereas if you wipe the fabric, you're doing nothing, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Three to four days, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've done things like our contactless box, put wipes, you know, um, there for people to use. Little things like that, I think, can help um, people to, to take the right steps themselves as well, you know. There's a little note on our collection box saying, you know, wipe before, wipe after, please. Um, so you might consider having something like that if you've got if you have got high contact surfaces. Um, I think anything you can do to physically um, help people to remember things like distancing, so having little markers or pictures or um, pointers for them to kind of remember by is is really helpful again just think about what's practical um i think i think where we're at with library sessions as they were it's like that feels a million miles off still um so if you are going to do anything like a library i'd be thinking about timed slots one at a time um and and how you kind of orchestrate that with things like acuity it's really straightforward to do that um and then just making it clear where people wait before they come in um, so, you know, is it possible with your venue for them to wait outdoors um, with distancing that hopefully they should be used, used to um, or not? I'm going to check through if there's anything else we need to cover. Also, I thought if you are um, doing library sessions, which I'm sort of like implementing is that no more than two adults per family, because I do sometimes get Mm. Several grandparents, yeah. Both parents. It's yeah. You know, so yeah, we're putting the restriction of two adults per child, and that's only partly. I haven't restricted it to one because I'm next. I'm the local sling library to a IVF hospital that seem to be very good at getting twins out of it. <laughs> so yeah. I feel. I don't want to exclude anybody who needs the two adults yeah. as well. And as a, obviously, just to be clear about distancing, people who are in the same household obviously don't need to distance. So if you're asking people to, to queue, you only need to bear that in mind in terms of your numbers. Um, so that does affect things a bit. You know, we'll probably have people coming in couples with a baby, for example. Um, so you only need to get them two metres away from the next person coming in. Um, so when you look at those room calculators, that assumes that each person is having to be distanced from each other. Does that make sense? Hmm, it's clear as mud, right? So I guess my big question to all of us in terms of like BBB is, I'd, is how are we going to make this sustainable? Like for us as an industry going forward, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'd like to have another chat about that because <laughs> um, I think this is, you know, it could be quite long term. Um, and I'd be really interesting, like really interested to see how people do things because obviously we all do things slightly differently. I'd love to hear what things work well for people. I'd love to kind of share 
um, what works well as we do start going back to one-to-ones um, or what you've found effective or not or um, anything. I think that would be really, really helpful. Yeah. Maybe we can share our findings. That would be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Depending on how you set up, um, like if you're a CIC or if you're set up as a charity, there's funding pots available, and maybe we collect this and we need to be able to provide it. And if we don't earn a minimum wage doing it, I mean, we're, we're all worthy of much higher than minimum wage, but if we're not doing that then we're not a service that's viable um so we if people see funding that's available share it tell people that this funding meets our criteria yeah um we, need, we do need to pay our our bills yeah um when just on the point of funding um our local council i appreciate that only helps us locally but i'm just assuming other councils might be doing similar has got a scheme for businesses who are not eligible for government funding for example they don't have rateable premises or employees and that's um that basically describes my husband's business so he's been able to access some local funding might be worth looking into what your local councils are doing yeah yeah so that did one near us and like all the pot is gone within about 12 hours <laughs> oh no <laughs> but definitely have a look if other councils are doing it that's brilliant um one of the things that's working i think fairly well for us is increasing the duration of our hires and therefore charging slightly more for them and minimizing the turnaround a little bit and people seem to be quite comfortable and happy with that at the moment but i think the challenge for us with that is that as things go you know go more and more back to normal people's expectations of of things will shift a little bit again i think um so yeah, feedback on that one, but um, but yeah, it'd be, it might be useful to compare what people are doing in terms of higher turnarounds and, and stuff and what they're finding the best thing is. Um, Mostly doing three month hires. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of three month hires. It's been really good. What have people been doing about people being unable to return due to isolating? you know are you extending it for free or yeah know, free, free extension if somebody contacts me and says i'm now isolating or we have had a positive test it's a free extension for that two-week period so it's not on you know not yeah two weeks is fine that's what i've done just to make it easy if they can't get out of the house they can't get out of the house yeah we've done the same but not not much more leniency in terms of other things just pre-extension for that but otherwise expecting people will be able to return on time and um extending or late fees or whatever you normally do for for everything else but that's sort of been my take on it yeah it's really unnerving having the countdown isn't it i think i've covered we've covered all the questions so <clears throat> That's something. <laughs> anything else you wanted to say, Chiara, or anything? No, that's been so, so helpful. Thank you so much. Cool. Um, I like I'm, Zoe's take the positives as well, right? That's really important. I always sound so doom and gloom, don't I? I'm like, think it through. 
but obviously no overheads like etc there are positives i do think like we can't you know don't want to sound too doom and gloom um i do think we can make it all work i just think be careful not to grind yourself into the ground doing all this stuff um think it through bit by bit and what makes most sense um but yeah definitely positives as well <laughs> cool yeah yeah cool thank you everybody and uh, next week's CPD slot is available. Whoever wants to come, <laughs> I'm coming for you. You take no prisoners. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Nice to see everyone. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found that really helpful. The conversation is going to continue in the Brilliant Baby Rowing Business Facebook group. In there, I'll be sharing the resources that Rachel's got for us. That includes the calculator that she mentions during the talk about calculating the amount of people you can have in a room while social distancing, which will be really helpful moving forward. Also, some government guidelines that apply to us and the way we run our businesses and some other bits and bobs that she's prepared so check back in the group for extra resources. Thanks again for listening. Bye.